Welcome to The Ortho Podcast, the only podcast made by orthopods for orthopods, bringing you weekly updates from the leading journals of orthopedics to your earbuds in 20 minutes or less. Now let's begin. Hey there, this is Dr. Tim Wang giving you the update on the use of total ankle arthroplasty for ankle arthritis. Evidence from this week's podcast is from the Yellow Journal in 2008 and JBJS in 2014. Now first, let's start out with a little background. We all know that the primary treatment for ankle arthritis has traditionally been arthrodesis of the tibio-talar joint. However, the advent of the total ankle arthroplasty over recent decades has increased the debate as to which surgical treatment is ideal. Long-term studies of patients receiving ankle fusions have revealed degeneration of adjacent joints, such as the subtalar, chopart, and midfoot joints, at around 10 years postoperatively. Despite this, however, few studies actually document the true need for reoperation in order to address this adjacent joint degenerations, and most patients report satisfaction with their ankle arthrodesis. The majority of cases of ankle arthritis are sequelae of old trauma, roughly 70%. These are most commonly due to either your run-of-the-mill rotational ankle fractures or chronic ankle instability. Treatment options for ankle arthritis range from symptom management with NSAIDs and steroid injections to arthroscopic debridement, microfracture, allograft arthroplasty, or joint arthrodesis. Ankle replacements were introduced as an alternative to fusion in order to preserve tibiotalar motion. When compared to the knee or hip joints, the ankle joint actually has a smaller total contact area, approximately a third of that of other joints, implying greater peak contact stresses at a given point. Surprisingly, though, the thickness of the articular cartilage of the ankle is actually thinner than that of the hip or the knee. Initial designs for ankle replacements in the 1970s were highly constrained and cemented hinge joints. However, these implants had high failure rates with subsidence, loosening, and persistent pain. Now that we look back and smack ourselves in the head, duh, we have now progressed to the third generation of total ankle arthroplasty, characterized by the need for anatomic gap balancing, use of intrinsic ankle ligaments to maintain stability, and minimal tibial resection. This takes into account a lesson learned from past generations. That excessive tibial resection leads to subsidence of the implant through the softer bone of the distal tibial metaphysis. The STAR prosthesis is currently the only ankle system approved in the U.S. by the FDA. Current meta-analyses have demonstrated revision rates between 10 and 15% for these third-generation ankle arthroplasties. Younger patients more commonly demonstrate increased uh, osteolysis, while patients with rheumatoid arthritis have greater satisfaction scores. Worse outcomes have been shown if coronal plane imbalance is greater than 15 degrees. The most frequent complications are wound healings and occur in up to 15% of patients. Insinuating meticulous handling of the soft tissue is a requirement. Sensory deficits can occur in up to 20% of patients affecting the superficial and deep perineal nerves. There also appears to be a pretty steep learning curve with complication rates of up to 50% if the surgeon is inexperienced. Component failure now is most commonly attributed to tailor component loosening or subsidence. 
This week's article is from the January 2014 episode of JBJS American, entitled Intermediate Term Results of the Total Ankle Replacement and Ankle Arthrodesis. This is a multi-center study out of the Canadian Foot and Ankle Society, performed as a prospective cohort study. Prior studies that directly compare outcomes between ankle fusion and ankle replacements have had small sample sizes, all less than 100 patients, and have shown overall similar clinical outcomes between the two groups. A single randomized study demonstrated improved function score and similar pain scores at the two-year post-op mark for those receiving arthroplasties. In this week's article, the authors present the largest sample size yet published, with a total of 321 patients achieving the final follow-up at five years. Patients were included if they presented with symptomatic end-stage arthritis with failure of prior non-operative treatments. Patients were excluded if they had significant avascular necrosis of the talus, prior infections, Charcot arthropathy, or had BMI greater than 35. The decision for ankle fusion or replacement was made on a case-by-case basis after discussion between the patient and their surgeon. Generally speaking, though, ankle fusion was recommended if the patient was younger or had compromised soft tissue healing capacities such as smokers or diabetics. Ankle replacement was generally recommended if the patients were greater than 65 years old. Now, the technique for our ankle arthrodesis was performed according to surgeon preference. Ankle replacements were performed with either one of four different types of prostheses. Primary outcomes uh, was a clinical AOS score, an ankle-specific functional outcome. Overall, the patients, the authors recruited a total of 107 patients in the arthrodesis group and 281 patients in the arthroplasty group. Patients in the arthrodesis group were most often 10 years younger and more likely diabetics and smokers and less likely to have inflammatory arthritis. Both treatment arms had similar baseline preoperative AOS and SF36 scores. The authors reported major complications such as reoperation, implant failure, need for revision, deep infection, or amputation occurred in about 7% receiving arthrodesis and 19% receiving arthroplasty, a complication rate that was twice as high in patients receiving arthroplasty. In the fusion group, all complications occurred within the first two and a half years after surgery. And those receiving arthroplasties, complications occurred any time throughout the entire five-year follow-up period. However, all patients in both groups demonstrated improved clinical scores from their preoperative values to the final postoperative values. Though patients receiving arthroplasty had better total AOS scores by roughly 20%, These differences became non-significant when adjusting for age, sex, BMI, and surgeon. Now, the bottom line is that both groups demonstrated significant improvement in baseline clinical scores at the five-year post-op mark. Though the raw data demonstrated improved outcomes in those receiving ankle replacements, adjusted analyses demonstrated significant proportion were rather due to patient and surgeon characteristics, ultimately demonstrating similar clinical outcomes between the two treatment arms. However, the authors reported a major complication rate twice as high in patients receiving arthroplasty, and these rates are similar to those that were previously published, roughly 20 to 30% at the 5-year mark and 45% at the 10-year mark. This study adds to the current body of literature as it is the largest direct cohort comparison with a controlled study design. 
In addition, the authors reported 83% patient follow-up rates. Though this study is limited due to its non-randomized nature, variety of surgical techniques, and implants, it offers the longest current follow-up with a prospectively designed study. The multi-center nature represents true clinical practice and provides a more global overview of effect between the two treatment options. Now, we do look forward to future randomized studies that would get rid of selection bias and provide a head-to-head comparison between these two treatment options. Until then, though, we'll keep our ears peeled. See you next week, folks.